Hi everybody, it's the Week in the Tackle podcast, the podcast where we get together on a weekly basis and tackle the things that have happened in the last week and that. Uh, I'm Tom Money, alongside me is Brian Dunny Dunseth. How are you, mate? All right? I'm good, I'm good. I'm uh, flat build, ready to go, your favorite style of uh, of me. Um, and, and by the way, I'm so excited <laughs> that... Uh, it's mm. me, it's just me. I'm so excited today. We're joined by the lovely Tim Pope Horsey. He that, who loves to you, talk balls as well. Can you say that? Are you allowed to say that? What? Tim Pope Horsey? Mm. Mm. I, I, that's probably going to be a couple of sorry Tims. Uh, the reason for that is we got an amazing phone call on the new Sirius XMFC shout line uh, by someone calling themselves Pope uh, about three in the morning, suggesting that maybe Rowan Atkinson's Black Adder could be the new manager of uh, of Liverpool. And I'm, in, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, if you don't know about this, we want you to know about this. It's part of our Sirius XMFC uh, kind of football show programming. And you can basically call us anytime. And frankly, Sirius XM don't own this. We could do it on this program. Yeah. If you want to leave us a voicemail that we might play on the program, 202-596-5880. Uh, call that. Wait, anytime. What was that number? Voicemail. Let me write that number down. 202. It's Pope. 202-596-5880. Yeah? So, so you this said, weekend. So you said it was 202-596-5880 is what you yes. said. Okay, yes, cool. Did that spell like boobs on the calculator? Why are you so into it? No, I'm just five. making because you know they say it's the 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 reference point is usually seven is when people start to understand what you're talking about or recognize what you're talking about. So two zero two five nine six five eight eight zero is the shout line for you and I to potentially listen to people have a pop at us, have a pop yeah. at somebody else, or even talk about Tim the Pope Horsey in some way, shape, or form. I'm assuming all that's been beeped out. Uh, listen, a few things to talk about this week. Dunny's been back on the road covering messy league soccer, so I do want to get into that. I'd also like to ask uh, Dunny uh, a player's question. I'm coming up with some player's questions for the show because I think they're quite interesting okay. uh, about whether one player being missing can make that much of a difference mm. with an eye on Rasmus Hoyland being missing for Manchester United, Lucas Paqueta coming back for West Ham, and the kind of wider context of someone like Rodri, who I think hasn't lost the home game uh, since Fulham last beat Man U at Old Trafford 21 years ago or something like that. So uh, we'll get into all of that. Uh, but I did want to start with the Carabao Cup final uh, hmm. this weekend. The Moose Cup final, League Cup final, EFL Cup final, Coca-Cola Cup final, Worthington Cup final, Rumbelows Cup final, Milk Cup final. Just pick a f***ing name. Sorry, Tim. I mean, if you are going to, like, I understand that Emirates haven't quite had the reach with the sponsorship of the FA Cup they would have liked because they kept calling it the FA Cup. But if you want your competition to be taken seriously, pick a f***ing name and f***ing stick to it. Sorry, sorry, Tim, Tim. Um, so it is the, it's the EFL Cup now. We got rebranded from the League Cup. It's the cup that's run by the English Football League as opposed to the FA Cup, which is run by the FA. Uh, the EFL also run the Football Leagues, but they don't run the Premier League. That's run by a separate entity, the Premier League, right? So it's all slightly convoluted. Uh, and it's why there is less interest in it because there's less money in it. There is less money to win. And if you win the FA Cup, you get into the Europa League. And if you win the Carabao Cup, EFL Cup, League Cup, Worthington Cup, Milk Cup, uh, Rumbelows Cup, which was a, an electrical company in the 80s, um, you get into the Conference League. 
Um, and part of the narrative, by the way, going into the game this weekend was, I hope we don't win it, this being Chelsea, because if we get into the Conference League, that's going to cost us so much money. Uh, so in the end, maybe that's why they played so badly in extra time. I don't know. Um, listen, Danny, I was there, so I have lots <laughs> of thoughts on it. And, and kind of, yeah. I thought what I'd do is raise a thought I had from the game and then get some of your thoughts on some of the individual things that I'd noted. But f- before we do that, um, I'd love your more broad thoughts on the fact that Klopp's kids beat, as Gary Neville has now infamously dubbed them, the Blue Billionaire Bottle Jobs. Yeah, before we get that, I would like to introduce you to the next sponsor of the AFL Cup. This is called Celsius. Celsius will be brought to you next season. No, I'm just joking, but it's really damn good. By the way, Celsius. Tropical you, vibe and the peach one. This. There's, no, there's no way... There is no way you're not getting paid for this because just, just no you know. one likes a drink. No one likes a drink as much as you fucking love this drink. Sorry, Tim. Um, I'm just saying, if if you if you are in the mood to send us some Celsius, we'll promote it, um, and we'll drink it. We'll drink you for money. <laughs> that goes out to all drinks. Yes. we'll drink you yes. for money. Yes, uh, yeah, Carabao, we do not discriminate. Except it's, it's like Carabao, if, yeah. If petrol and pineapple had a baby, that's <laughs> Carabao. Anyway. But by the way, before we go any further, you and Paul Parker were incredible. I was flying back from Austin. I was on the flight from Delta. I couldn't get on to ESPN Plus to actually watch the game. So I fired up the SiriusXM app, turned it on, talk sport, listen to you and Paul Parker. Excellent deep cut with the salt burn reference. Excellent job. Um, and I still don't remember what I said. Uh, you text me this during the game, and I thought, did I reference that? That's how on the flow I was. The time. Yeah, no, no, you were flying. You guys were flying. You, you had Paul Parker uh, on multiple occasions, not only feeling himself proverbially, uh, but also I, I think, my dog, be quiet. Uh, but also, that's what happens when you lock your dog in your in your office with you, and your wife comes home. Um, but also. I think the pure and simple fact that you guys have such a great rapport and you call the game, you're so descriptive. And for me, being on the airplane, trying to think about reference points of where the ball is, attacking phase of play, numbers, movement off the ball, you do an, an excellent job. So I just want to throw that out there. Sorry, Tim. Thanks, mate. That was very uh, nice of you. Are we, on the, yeah. are we on the right show? No, no, no. You, I give credit where credit's due. I, I, would, I was thinking this, and I said this to my wife, Jade, when I got home. I was like, dude, Rennie was so good today. I wish that he was on television just to create, to understand what the cult following would look like, because I think you come at it from such a, such a unique angle and you're, you're just, you're, you're so spot on. You're so descriptive. I, I, I just think you're excellent. That's just me. I don't mean to blow smoke. Uh, that was far but, too nice. That was far too nice. Can I tell you something I didn't do that was nice? Yeah. You, you say that, but I'm going to let the dog out while you yeah, say that. that. Okay. Yeah. So I'll tell you something that did happen during the game because Paul Parker, I love Paul Parker. He's such a great guy. He's been so good to me since we kind of first met. Uh, and he's a really good co-commentator to work with because he just, you know, when you've won all the trophies, that when you're like a two-time Premier League winner, like Paul's won the Premier League twice, he's won the FA Cup, he's won the League Cup, incredible career, been to the World Cup with England, right? When you've got that sort of kind of status, um, he can just not give a sh- uh, which, which, which uh, sorry, is, Tim, comes across very evidently. Which, like he's a good analyst, but he just doesn't care what you think about his opinion. He's just going to give it to you. He's just yeah. great. I love him. I love to work with him, but he doesn't like people to know he played for Chelsea. So at the very end of his career, when like the legs had gone, he signed for Chelsea when he's like, I probably shouldn't have done. And he really hates it when you reference the fact he played for Chelsea. <laughs> and he and he always tells me before I put him onto a Chelsea game, he's like, I just don't. Just don't, just don't mention it. All right. Look, I, yeah. I did, and it happened. And I'm not embarrassed by it. But like, just 
let's just leave it. Let's pretend that didn't happen. And I like was like, yeah, fine. You know what? It's I did it the first couple of times for fun, but I won't do it now. But because I'd written my, because I had to do a pre-prepared, the first bit is pre-prepared because we've got loads of different partners and then we're coming from different networks. So you've got to do a quite formal intro. I'd written Chelsea in it. And I was like, I'm Tom Rennie alongside me is Paul Parker, the former Chelsea. <laughs> and he looked at me. He literally was like this, right? He was like, he was like that. He went, you f***ing. Like that. Like, Jerry, sorry, Tim. I was so, <laughs> he was just like so angry for like yeah. a second. Like we moved on. But um, yeah, I did say I wouldn't do it, and then just did it. Well, but the other so the bad. other favorite part in the middle of the broadcast when you said uh, you said something about the, how many all of his accolades and the fact that he's won it, and you're like, he said something like, "Oh, that's really nice of you." And he goes, "You said something effective like, well, yeah, that's why you're here." And he goes, "Wait a second, what?" And he goes, "Well, because you've done this, this is the main reason why you're here." And he goes. Tom, I thought we were mates. I thought you liked me. I thought I was a good analyst. And you're like, <laughs> it was just like, it was one of those where I literally started giggling on the flight with the lady next to me who must have been like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, what is he listening to right now? But I just started getting, anyways, that's enough. Enough love fest. Um, yes. All right. So I was thinking about this as I was watching the game. And and, and again, the, the the game is such a, it's such a weird game that we watch, that we play. Because there's so many factors that come into it, and and never do you have a perfect game. I think that's one of the beauties about about soccer, about football, is that there's always mistakes made, and in these gray areas and these gray moments of you know proactive versus reactive, and 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 if you're thinking about the officials, you're thinking about the managers, you think about the players on the field, you think about the substitutes, you think about the cause and effect of even the fans inside the stadium and what the pressure, the atmosphere, all of this looks like. At the end of the day, you're coming from two very unique and different perspectives, right? For Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, it's kind of this traveling caravan of farewell opportunities, understanding that they're in it for all of these trophies still, with the exception of Champions League, which is Europa League, which they're absolutely favorites to win. Um, But understanding you're kind of in this last throes of this historic time. And I'm never one to suggest that the players just play for the managers, but there's something unique that's happening around this team right now with understanding that this is another phase of what would be, I would say, maybe the trifecta, maybe maybe the quad of like very tip top of managers that have ever been a part of Liverpool Football Club. And so when you think about it from the player perspective, this manager, this coaching staff, this environment is not going to be recreated again. It is always going to stand as a unique environment. So I would suggest that with the two stadium additions, with the training facility, with the academy structure, and with ownership, that whatever happens going forward, it is going to be an ideal situation for probably a four or five year period. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be the same because it's going to be different. And whoever comes in is going to be different to the cult of personality that Jurgen Klopp is. Now, whether he's the same, whether he's better, or whether he's less, that's to be determined. But in this short amount of time, I think we can park the bus and say, it is really incredible what has been happening at Liverpool and what Jurgen Klopp, even from a year ago, when we were talking about eight-year itch, is it time maybe for them to move on? They're having some huge hiccups. They've retooled the midfield, and we've watched him in the better part of the last month start to bleed in these young players in moments where 
he had to, but he didn't necessarily have to. Um, and and I would even suggest with bringing off McAllister, bringing off Gakpo, bringing off Andy Robertson in the 87th minute, he didn't really have to. He was probably also thinking about what the future and load management look like, uh, but he still gave kids this opportunity. I would suggest they grew into the game quickly. Now, as I say that, let's also recognize that Chelsea's starting 11 was younger than Liverpool's starting 11. Chelsea's 11 on the field was still younger than Liverpool's 11 when the final whistle blew. So just for context, the reality is, though, for Clear Lake, for Bowley, for Igbali, for Pochettino, for the amount of money that's being spent consistently with the threat of profit and sustainability on June 30th, whatever this amortization of contracts look like, the screws that were tightened, everything that comes into play, the depth of this bench, the injuries that they're dealing with. um, If they would have lifted this trophy, I think the reality is we would have said they're heading in the right direction. They get the benefit of the doubt for all of the bull that's been happening. Sorry, Tim, for the last two and a half years, for all of the struggles of finding an, 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 well, Going from unidentifiable from the names and the faces in those jerseys at the start of the season, where basically everyone's just Googling and YouTubing and trying to figure out who the hell these guys are, to then now saying, hold on a second, they've won. I know they're mid-table. I know they're not in Europe, but they lifted a trophy. That's a season where you can build upon. You can justify. Um, but they don't. So I, I, I kind of find myself wondering, what does it say? Or does it say more about what Liverpool did? Or does it say more about where Chelsea is? Mm. And I'm kind of stuck. I, I, I'm, I want to give credit because absolutely it's the lesser of all trophies. I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form disrespectful. But that's the reality in my mind. It's similar to Manchester United winning last year and getting a second place finish. And all I kept saying was building in the right direction. This is something to look forward to. But for Chelsea... I don't know where they turn from now. I don't know where they turn to because you just went through a winter a winter transfer season where you're looking at Broja going to, or Broja, depending on if you're English or not, going to Fulham for $40 million, ends up as a £4 million loan. Connor Gallagher to Tottenham for $80 million, nothing ends up happening. And now you are royally f***ed. Sorry, Tim. Similar to what we saw with Everton and Richarlson to Tottenham, similar to what we saw with Nottingham Forest and Brennan Johnson to Tottenham, I don't know how you're supposed to get any value out of what you have valued these players at by June 30th without breaking or breaching what these rules look like because you went all in and we were celebratory. Oh my gosh, new look, amortization, all this money, meeting with Laporta in Barcelona and having dinner, doing all these things what were different than the past. Yeah. But there's nothing to prove and nothing to show for it now, which has to be concerning if you're a Chelsea fan because the only player that looked the part was Cole Palmer over the course of the 120 minutes. See, I don't even know if he did, if I'm honest. I, I think that... Obviously, it's very different. I always say this to people. Watching the game is very different to doing commentary of the game because you're so involved in just the basics of location in radio commentary. Sometimes you kind of lose the overall theme of a lot of things, but some of it you don't. And just to take it back to the first part of the question, the whole blue bottle jobs thing, which, you know, it's a a great line and it's going to stick, right? That's going to stick. That's going to be Spice Boys. That's going to be Crazy Gang, Culture Club. It's going to stick with this group. 100%, yeah. Fair or otherwise, it's going to. 
Um, and I did see Gary Neville try and backtrack a little bit on it on Monday Night Football on Sky Sports. But when you've got the line, when you've nailed the line, you've got to stand by it. He knows that as well as anybody. Uh, he might feel bad about it, but there it is. And to your point on the experience, right? Absolutely true. And you're right to point that out. And I think people have done that the average age of the team. I mean, Pochettino was in his press conference post-match and he was asked about the, the bottle jobs thing. And I'm sure many people listening would have seen the clip where he's like, well, you know, if you look at the groups and you look at the ages, it was broadly similar. I'm not too sure if that's fair. But, the but thing why didn't is, he push back? Why, why didn't he push back? Well, let me tell you why. I think that's a really great point. I think, you know, when you see like a drama and someone gets caught out cheating or like you watch a reality TV show and someone has just, I watched uh, Love is Blind recently where this guy was using the same chat lines and all the women and, the, and uh, the women then talk to each other and they're sharing the fact he's using the same lines for every single one of them. And they come like to the room and they're like, did you tell... Sharon that you'd like to take me out of the room as well and he's like oh um oh um because the truth is suddenly in the room mm. I think Maurizio Pochettino realized the truth was suddenly in the room and I think he wanted to push back but everyone in the room knew and felt as he did that his team didn't have the fortitude to go out and win that game in extra time. And your point on age is absolutely right and absolutely well taken. However, if we look at appearances and experience and games played, yeah, we take yeah. age out of it and we take football age, as in minutes on the field in senior games age, 100%. the differential is enormous. And just for a little bit of context here on some of these players for, for Liverpool, um, Gerald Quenter, Jaden Dans, Bobby Clark, James McConnell, uh, and Harvey Elliott are all on the field at the same time, right? Um, and these are young players by Harvey Elliott who have got less than, I mean, Dan's, that was his second or third senior appearance. Clark's less than 10, I think. Um, O'Connell's in a, a similar sort of scenario. Quant's played a few games this season, but I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but not many, 10 or less. So this is not an experienced group. The young players at Chelsea, Cole Palmer scored uh, in the Community Shield. Uh, and what was it? The Super Cup at the start of the season for, for Manchester City. And is a England international. Caicedo. Enzo Fernandez is a World Cup winner. Conor Gallagher has been at two or three clubs and played 100 odd Premier League games on and on. Right. Jackson, uh, another young player, but he's played a lot of football in two different countries. So a lot of football experience. And there was a moment in this game. And it was fantastic being able to absorb this. We were in break at the time. So I had my head set off and was able just to listen to it a little bit. When Klopp had made those changes incredibly bold like you, your point earlier yeah, was yeah. absolutely right to do that he didn't need to do that I don't think any other manager in the world would have done that in that scenario but he did it and brought these these kids on that are good footballers right so kids how, but didn't how? it feel like it, he almost devalued the tournament in the moment where you're like oh he doesn't I guess he obviously doesn't yeah. like he's indifferent to winning it or not but I think there was a conversation with him and Linders going look McAllister can't move he can't move we ain't gonna win this game if they can't move so let's get some people who can move and we'll see what happens and when extra time was coming, we went to break and I took the headset off and the Chelsea fans were silent. It was mausoleum-like on our right side. On our left side, the Ole chant started from the Liverpool fans. Suddenly it became Liverpool were big favourites. They became underdogs in the moment. Yeah. And everyone rose to that challenge of, well, look, we're probably going to lose this now, but... Let's make sure that Jaden Dans, Gerald Quanza, Bobby Clark, James McConnell, uh, Harvey Elliott, let's make sure that we let them know we are behind them in this underdog moment. Whereas I think Chelsea were suddenly a bit like who had lost the last five Wembley Cup finals, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You could feel it in the room, in the stadium. They were a bit like, 
oh, damn, we're favourites now. Okay, yeah. what do we do? And considering they'd ended the game so strong, everyone thought, Paul and I thought, you would have heard it in the broadcast, our other broadcast colleagues alongside us, social media, everyone was like, right, Chelsea go on to win this big. And they didn't. They, mm. they, they crumbled. They didn't really create anything of particular significance. And then the goal they conceded, you know, it's Virgil van Dijk. It's the old guard with the new guard on the pitch. It was a great narrative, but it was a corner that should have been defended. And it was, a, you know, it was just, they just totally fell apart. And you never felt in extra time that Chelsea, beyond the first couple of minutes of the first half of extra time, were pushing to win it. And then, Dunny, and I'll go back to you after this bit, Pochettino said to us post-game, you would have heard this, they thought penalties would favour them. Yeah, what, did yeah, you make yeah. to, what did you make to that comment? Yeah, I, I don't... That that means you're just holding on for dear life and you're just waiting for the rub of whatever luck you can possibly draw out of that um, because it is a total crapshoot. Because I, the one thing that I think is is discounted during penalties, and, and it's funny because just for a quick side note, here in Major League Soccer with Liga Emekis, the League's Cup that was created last summer, after 90 minutes, you went straight to Pence. And I think it, I don't know. It was it was it was kind of an interesting thing of watching how dead. Like by the way, Luis Diaz l- emptied the tank, my man. Like I just remember there was one point where the ball's on the left hand side. There was a turnover. He had just made this gut busting another fifty yard run. It's like the hundred and like twelfth minute, and you just see him go like, and he just puts his head down and he just starts chugging back and he's just doing like. I just got to get back. Just get back in a good starting position. Just do it. Just do it. Give me, get 30 yards. And he just put his head down and you're just like, God, these guys are dead. Like these guys are dead. And there's a part of me that like wants to leave it on the field. And there's a part of me that's like, "Uh, what else are you going to get out of this? But to the penalties, the physical fatigue, the mental fatigue, and then the nerves. Like when people say like, oh, it favors us. I just, I, I disagree. Like, how could you possibly say it favors you? Like, you don't know what Kelleher is going to decide. You don't know if he's going left, he's going right, he's standing in the middle, he's going to get a touch over the post, he's going to do a kick save down to his right. Like, you just don't know. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, that just reeks of, you know, unfortunately, um, of non belief that you can actually yeah. win it during the game. I mean, he brought on Mudrik and Kunku Madueke. Yeah. What a trio of players to be able to bring on, right? In, in terms of uh, what you paid, speed. what you have thought of them. It's it's bloody just, strong. Just speed. Yeah, speed alone against dead legs. And yet it, they just couldn't put it together. And, you know, I keep going back to this on Chelsea and I want to move us on because, you know, there's some other bits to talk about this weekend. Um, but I keep going back to my friend Paul Mortimer. I love Paul Mortimer. Aston Villa, Charlton winger. And we work with him a decent amount on, on Premier League Live. And he has this great line that I've nicked and used for like a decade. And it's like, you have stars, co-stars and extras, right? That's a squad. Mm. And what they have done is bought a whole bunch of co-stars and we're billing them as stars. And the trouble is there was no Tom Cruise. There was no <laughs> Sly Stallone who was going to save this movie. And and, and that was the issue. And, and that continues to be the issue. They have paid top dollar fees for good very good players, but there's not a single one of that Chelsea team or squad for that money spent who would get into, in the movie Space Jam, the Monstars come down and this time they want to play soccer. And we have to get 11 players together to save humanity. I would argue Salah and Van Dyke from Liverpool squad 
could potentially be in that team to save humanity. I'm not sure I would consider anyone in the Chelsea squad to even be in the same country, maybe continent of that game, in case they had to play some minutes to save us. I, I just think that the injury to Reese James has been the most devastating thing that they've dealt with this season. Because I, I just, there's, <clears throat> when, I, when I think of, when I think of who could be that transition moment, and all due respect to Thiago Silva and Enzo and Caicedo and even Collar Gallagher to an extent, um, Chilwell, uh, I, I just, man, I just think of Reese James being on there and willing the team through his voice and example. Um, yeah, devastating. But by the way, before we move, I just got to make this joke because I saw it on social and I thought it was amazing. They showed the picture, and I'm not sure who it was. Maybe it was James McConnell. It might have been Bobby Clark. But Monday morning, they were going back into school. And there was a video of them walking through, and all of their all the schoolmates were applauding them, and they're going back to school, all that stuff. And the joke was um, half of Liverpool's squad uh, goes back to school first thing Monday morning. And it was just like another little slight dig, just a little... I do, I do think that video, as posted by Troll Football, was a fake video. But the oh, joke is still real. But the yeah. video wasn't real. That, okay. They're just just because everyone who plays in Liverpool's youth team, I think, is legally obliged <laughs> to have that haircut. I think we can't the differentiate. Yeah. Just like uh, a bowl white Caesar. boy, with, a white boy with a bowl. Like literally yeah. everyone has got that haircut at the moment uh, of that age. But I think I think that was a troll video. But the joke remains very funny. Actually, one final question before we move on. I want to ask you about MLS before we get there, but um, yeah. I'll get to the end of the show. But Jurgen Klopp, right? Uh, I wanted to ask you about this briefly because post-match, and he got to the press conference, and it's so stupid the way end-of-game media happens. Certainly, you know, when I've worked in this sort of part of it for a long time, and you do like TV interviews, second TV interview, third TV interview, mm. then you do your radio interviews, then you go to a press conference. And by the time you get to a press conference, you've probably done four or five rounds of interviews. Like, it's really stupid. And they don't really say anything different in all of them. And Klopp immediately, having made everyone wait 25 minutes to uh, to come and speak to the, the written press and the additional press, which I was in, I didn't go to the mix zone. Um, he sort of comes in and was like, um, sorry to make you wait, but I have done this interview 10 times or like words to that effect, right? And he's absolutely right. It's really yeah, stupid. Yeah. yeah. Like we should send like the BBC one week and then send Talk Sport the next week, use that interview, do a short press conference afterwards with three or four questions, and then we can move on. We shouldn't make them do as much media. Anyway, that might be part of this. But I did think that considering they'd won this cup final, considering it was a huge day for Liverpool and a great moment of success, and you know, him doing the fist pumps in front of the 40,000 Liverpool fans. Anfield South, a brilliant, brilliant moment. I thought he became a real bitch afterwards, Klopp. Jeez. Like, you weren't ready for that, were you? He um, <laughs> took a card lifter. He didn't shake the hand of the referee, Chris Kavanagh, on the field, like really quite pathetically, like a child. Like, whether you think Caicedo should have been sent off or not, you know, you've won the game. That's the way it goes sometimes. You've got to show some maturity. He then complained about the referee post-match. Um, he then complained, as I mentioned, about like the system of interviews. He had a few digs at the press for saying, like, you said Virgil van Dyke was finished, you said this, you said that. Now, maybe he was tired and maybe you know all that, but I just thought this is why he's going. He's going because he is just holding this together till the end of this season mm. and just wants to go on fing holiday. Sorry, mm. Tim, and he can get through to the end of this but I thought at the end of the game when tired and 
you know, he's moaning about the Wolves game. Is it Wolves in midweek? Someone in midweek in the FA Cup on Wednesday. I forget who they're playing. Um, but Wednesday night they're playing. Southampton, that's it, not Wolves. And um, just like moaning about that. And I just thought, you can see the edges fraying. He was yeah, exposed. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, the the whole the whole Virgil Van Dyke shots. It, I I don't understand it. He he was widely regarded as, if not the best center back in the world, one of the best center backs in the world. And of course, there's going to be questions following an ACL repair. Um, you know, getting back to full fitness, making sure his body's right. But there's there, there there's there's not a person in the world that has any common sense whatsoever that doesn't think he's one of the best center backs in the Premier League if not world football so that that I didn't even even some of the social media things where like looking back and like I thought it was finished like that whole stuff like what no nobody thinks you're finished they we do this but the locker room fodder the 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 you know put him on the on the whiteboard all this stuff the motivation there's always like tweaks and manipulation. I get all that. I'm, we're, we're not naive. It's part of the business. It's part of what managers do, what players do to amp themselves up. Oh, did you see what he said? Oh, did you see what they said? Yeah, F that guy. Like, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Just go out and play. But they're not immune to it. But I would I would agree with you. For Klopp, listen, histrionics of referees that make decisions that managers feel that have become just outside of just a, a singular decision, become decisions against us over time. This guy's a dick. Sorry, Tim. You know, I don't like him. I don't like this guy. Oh, this guy's a good referee. It just sticks with you. And I think what he's done is compiled a laundry list of things that he's not happy about or things that have really chapped his hide over the years. And now it's just like, well, he's got really nothing. He's not thinking about next year. He's not thinking about it being used against him in the future. So, yeah, I get all that. I, I would agree with you. The the amount of time that he is subjected to these interviews and almost repetitive of, of, of information. And by the way, not for nothing, the amount of conversations I've had with managers that will say to me, like I'll start asking them about tactics, shape, identity, systems, formats, you know, offensive phase of the play, creativity, all those things. And they'll start explaining it. And I was like, well, why don't you like, why don't you talk about this publicly? And it's, it was interesting because I've had multiple managers say this to me in the past year where they say, because the majority of people don't understand what we're talking about. Coach speak, tactic speak is different to players than it is to media members because a majority of the media members haven't played past a certain level. So if we try to say this publicly all of a sudden, if we concede a goal, they're going to say, well, Jurgen Klopp was talking about defensively and transition defending. He wants to see this. Obviously, this was a breakdown. Huge mistake. He's got to be unhappy with this guy. Why is he playing him? And it just kind of tumbles into this oblivion of, well, that's not what I said. You're taking it out of context. That's not that's not a specific point of what my idea of game model was. So, yeah, it gets, it gets rough and tumble really quick. But... Billion dollar bottle jobs is going to stick forever. Um, and now you've got Eric Ten Hogg pissed off at, at Jamie Carragher for talking about his breakdowns in the offensive phase of play to defensive transition. And yeah, it's, it's, we want these managers to be open and transparent. But sometimes when they go past the line that we think is uncomfortable, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, should he be saying that? Ooh, should he not be saying that? But at the same time, we're like, no, like tell us, speak to us, help us understand. Uh, because everything that Eric Ten Hag says does not match up with anything that I'm seeing on the field. Um, and then we get angry with, you know, Mikel Arteta showing a bit of personality. And then, 
showing a little bit more of personality. And they're like, oh, did you have to say that? Do you want to say that? Yeah, I mean, he's not got a great personality. That's the main problem. Yeah. I wasn't going to do Man United. Do you want Do you want to? I mean, do you want to have a say on it? I wasn't going to ask you about it. Uh, yeah, listen. Uh, if I take myself out of the moment of the loss, I think in the, what, past two months, we've seen some progression. The reality is they're just banged up. I don't know what's happening in the metal staff. I don't know what's happening on the field during the training sessions. I don't know what the workload looks like. I don't even know what the dietary you know, needs are, whether they're being met, are they personalized, all of this stuff to make sure that these athletes are 100% as, or at least as close to 100% physically ready to compete. That's a lot of injuries, man. I like whatever's happening with Juan Basaka, whatever's happening with Malasia, whatever happened with Luke Shaw. We understand Lissandro Martinez is more of a break. Uh, Varane again. Um, Casemiro with that injury, like what happened to Sofran Amrabat? Um, I mean, yeah. he's obviously going alone on the bench this weekend. And they're the two, uh, what was the other teenager? It was Mainu and I forget the other one, Orson or something, was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 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 just uh, it, it's it, at times I, I want to understand, well, I'll never understand because all we see is the white lines 90 minutes and I get all that. Um, but I, I just if you're going to say Forson's going to come in, what does that look like for Rashford? Rashford doesn't look like the Rashford. Why is Bruno still so emphatically swinging his arms around and having a moan and going to ground and all of a sudden popping back up? And is that the captain leadership you want? Is that the visuals you want for the captain of Manchester United? Harry Maguire, it looks great sometimes. He looks terrible at other times. He scores goals here. And then at other times, he looks like he's laboring. Uh, playing Lindelof at left back. There, there's just there's so many more questions than answers in a match, and I'm trying to take it as an individual one-off. But Fulham, just nobody's scared of going to Old Trafford. There's no, no fear of going to West, Old Trafford. West Ham were, of course. Apart from West Ham, everyone else is... Uh... I mean, yeah, yeah that's style of play yeah. tactics. Yeah. Are we going to talk about Moyes saying that it's his contract to sign, not the club's contract to sign? No, I mean, I, I don't want to do too much on it because <laughs> I went to the game on Monday and it was the most fun I've had watching a West Ham game at that stadium in maybe two years. I think they went to, I mean, we, I mean you must listen to Week in the Tackle, right? Because what did mm. we say a couple of weeks ago? You need to go back to the Lingard team. You need to get everyone yeah. 10 to 15 yards up the field. You need players who aren't Paqueta to play progressive passes. You need to get the fullbacks overlapping like they used to and get four or five players in attacking positions when you get the opportunity to attack. You don't have to do it against Arsenal. You don't have to do it against Manchester United or whatever, but do do it against Brentford at home. Do do it against Palace at home and do do it against Burnley at home. And if you do that, everyone's going to be happy. The mm. trouble is Moyes went in ridiculous lockdown mode like we were still in a relegation battle. And if they'd have won those home games against the crap teams, this could have been a fantastic season. Uh, but as you know, I was very anti-Banner. I thought it was an awful thing to do, and I didn't agree with the Banner last weekend. And doesn't that look even more stupid this week, considering mm. that Moyes listened to our podcast and thought, you know what? That guy who chunters behind my staff in the media bit whenever I do something wrong, <laughs> he was absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll do that. We'll do the well, can, Banner can and I, work out fine. Can I give you a quick suggestion then? Can you uh, get in whoever's around Neil Mopai's uh, ear and tell him um, that Kevin Nolan is the wrong motherfucker? Sorry, Tim, to mess with. Can you like, I, I just 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 as a heads up, like, if can you, you want to, can you outwind up Kevin Nolan? I wonder is that possible? Uh, I'm I'm just I, he obviously doesn't know his history and what Kevin Nolan was capable of doing on the field and kind of the the leadership qualities and 
will literally punch a motherfucker. Sorry, Tim. I'm on one today. Uh, that is not the guy that you want to have a verbal sparring session with. Like, I know, like, it's fun and it's giggles and you're the ultimate houser. Sorry, Tim. Neil Mopai, but you will get Donkey Konged. Like, he will literally just go boop on the top of the head and knock your ass out. So I'm I'm just, just I don't know, just a guy in the United States just giving you a slight little warning because I do remember Kevin Nolan, and he will destroy you. Yeah, yeah. You're in, you're in a lot of trouble, and he'll buy you a pint afterwards. They yeah. uh, probably not that last <laughs> bit. Not the last bit. Maybe beep it out. Uh, or don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> actually, before we move on, I want to ask you about MLS, but I thought of you this week when someone said, I forget it was now, uh, about Porto Arsenal, and it was like, what about all this outhousery? And he, and he was like, uh, must have been on a podcast. And he was like, you mean Conte Sousery? Which I thought, oh, isn't that good? Oh, I well, I I prefer uh, how, what we got it. It's got to be something Pepe, Pepe, Pepe. By, by, I mean Pepe, forty. What is he now? Like forty nine. God bless him. He's young. I mean, he's still young. He's outrunning people. Like what the flying squirrel is happening? Yeah, but I feel like Pepe. Pepe is uh, Pepe is. We got to figure out a good nickname for Pepe. Yes. Like, well, we've, had the, 30, we've had 30 years to do it now. So if we ain't got one now, we ain't going to come up with that in, 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 what a player. in good time. What a player. Um, listen, let me ask you about MLS. First weekend, yeah. you're back on the road with Max Bratos covering the games for, for Apple. Um, what was the biggest story, do you think? And has this sentence ever been said before in human history? Uh, Phil Neville or Lionel Messi? Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, well, let's start with the game that Max and I did down in Austin at Q2 Stadium. Austin playing host to Minnesota United. The rumors about Manchester United assistant coach Eric Ramsey, 32 years of age, was assistant at Wales, uh, was assistant with Ole, with Ralph Ragnick, and now with Eric Ten Hag. Uh, wow. He, wow. What a CV of success. Well, I mean, there's something to be said that you can weave your way through all three managers and still be a part of Wales at the same time. 32 years of age. I'm be intrigued by this. The three worst teams in Man United history. Wow, what a CV. Hey. Alleged, allegedly. But my good friend Cameron Knowles, who I played with out here in Salt Lake, uh, interim head coach, he had them flying, man. 11 corner kicks generated in the first half. I think the, the stats were like 75% win heading into the game for Austin FC. They were flying coming out of preseason. They got played off, off the park. Uh, ends up a 2-1 win for Minnesota United. Now, big stories. Uh, Columbus Crew win 1-0 against Atlanta United. Cucho gets off the the, the scoring, uh, gets started. Um, for Pineda, it's going to be an interesting year. I wonder how long the leash is with the amount of money that's being spent. And we got to figure out what Atlanta United is because we keep referencing Tata Martino, Atlanta United in the beginning of that organization in Major League Soccer, and it's it's a long time since. LAFC 2-1 winners. LAFC lost to Columbus Crew at Lower Duckham Field in the MLS Cup Final. Five starters, gone, plus two substitutes, gone. So seven players from that match off the team. No Carlos Vela, and yet they end up playing Bogush from Leeds United at the top of the point. They look fantastic. Um, I think Seattle and LAFC are going to be the top two teams. I had Seattle as number one, LAFC is number two in my predictions. Take that for what it is. Charlotte, Dean Smith, 1-0 winners against NYCFC. I think I was uh, I got a message that I was the only MLS um, expert, I'll use air quotes, uh, that chose uh, <laughs> Charlotte, not just in the top 10, but I had them eighth in the Eastern Conference, and I was the only one that did that, so I felt good about myself. I think it's more of like from eighth down to the end. There's not really much of a difference. 
Uh, let's see. What was the other one? I feel like Philly, Chicago, I thought 2-2 draw. A lot of piss and vinegar. Uh, good result uh, for Chicago to start the season. Kid name for you, Brian Gutierrez. Keep an eye on this name, Brian Gutierrez. Kid's level is a- absurd. Um, and then uh, St. Louis, RSL, good 1-1 draw. Portland, though. Oh, Portland. Uh, Williamson, Anthony gets two. Sam Vine's own goal. Colorado is down 4-0 at halftime in the debut of Chris Armas as the head coach. They brought back Zach Steffen. They brought back Georgie Mihalovic, brought back Sam Vines, and they got absolutely destroyed. Cincy, Toronto, nil-nil. Decent one. Nashville, nil-nil with New York Red Bulls. And then uh, Messi, 92nd minute equalizer for Inter-Miami after playing midweek at home and beating Real Salt Lake in the curtain raiser of the 2024 season. Um, I'm really concerned about Luis Suarez already. He can't move. Uh, that limp is... I mean, this is the Brazilian player of the year months ago. Banging goals left and right. He's going to score his goals. And there's no doubt about it. Was it a public vote, though? Was it one of them ones where, you know, if you if you uh, vote for him, you get to meet him? I'm not sure. but I, I'm not sure. But, yeah, the 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 more interesting story was uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup MLS teams participation midweek. Zero wins, one loss, five draws after midweek matches this week. So something to keep in mind, because um, I know you keep an eye on this now. These early competitions, midweek travel, for these teams that are participating in CONCACAF Champions Cup. Give them a little bit of leeway, I would say, until maybe the start of May and they really settle into a rhythm uh, because you go from just preseason to games and travel, whether you're in Vancouver for Atlanta or you're down in Costa Rica for Philadelphia. There's going to be a lot of travel, a lot of heavy legs, a lot of game management by the coaches. Um, but we're, we're here, Apple TV, uh, if you want to catch any inter Miami game, Lionel Messi, all those games will be broadcast on Sirius XMFC channel 157 as well. And yeah, here we go, man. Another uh, another fun year of travel in Major League Soccer. We'll see who comes out on top. So who did have a better weekend? Phil Neville or Lionel Messi? Phil Neville by far. Yes, Phil Neville. Phil Neville by far. Than, with, Phil, with better, the, Phil Neville is better than Lionel Messi. You heard it here. No, no, no. Had a better podcast. weekend. Oh, I oh. see what you did there. But by oh. the way, for the amount of pushback from Timber's Army that when Phil Neville was announced, they it was a resounding, we do not want him as the head coach. He put on, uh, it couldn't have started any better, um, his tenure as the Portland Timbers head coach with that performance in the first 45 minutes. Um, and we'll do more on this uh, MLS season that gets underway. I, I do sort of think you give everyone in any season, in any league, you give them like the first four weeks. It's why we get wild score lines and yeah. you throw in the extra travel. Some of these teams are going to play. It, it does mean it's worth watching the first few weeks because there's no real way of, of knowing what's happening. And Luis Suarez, I, I tell you right now, I, I don't think he makes the end of the season. I, I, I really don't. I watched uh, I hope a he does. chunk of the Galaxy game. I watched the game the other week. The, His uh, movement is game. scary, but yeah, it's... It's one of those where, like, like I, I feel like knowing, like, with a broken back, my messed up hip, like, anytime that I try to, like, go play that next morning when you get out of bed, oh. and I'm like, dude, what, what does that feel like when he's getting out of bed? Uh, but listen, Redondo gets his debut. I, they're, they're spending a lot of money. I think they're going to be a really good team when it's all said and done. But to your point, I actually had them fifth in my predictions in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Um, not, and, and I want just to table this so you understand where I was coming from. In a one-off game, 
I think they're absolutely going to be considered favorites. But through the entirety of the year, with the multiple competitions that they're in, having to deal with League's Cup with that type of travel, and then thinking about the complicated international schedule, March, June, the entirety of the summer, I, I think what is going to be interesting is Inter-Miami navigating those games during those stretches without those players. Um, it's really going to test Tata Martino, his tactics, and the depth of his bench, which is why I think once they're in the playoffs, going to be a tough, tough, uh, you know, a, a tough team to deal with. But getting to that part, I, I mean, a Cincinnati, Columbus, Philly, Orlando, you got some good teams in that Eastern Conference. Feels like they're much stronger than outside the Western Conference. You got LAFC in Seattle. And then you could basically say like, huh, yeah, I could see them. Oh, yeah, no, I could see them. And you have just a, a glut of teams that are very, very similar in the West. No, it's good you got them in fifth, I think, in a lot of ways, because I think people get drawn in by like the bookies and, and then being favorites. But the reason they're favorites, and this is basically how gambling works, if everyone is lumping on that team, and of course they're lumping on that team because they've heard of Lionel Messi and they've heard of yeah. that team, your, your casual gambler is like, oh, I have one better year on who's going to win this, that or the other. They do it because they've heard of them. And that's why Man United are always favorites to win, even yeah. if they're rubbish at that time, because um, you've heard of them and your casual better bets on them. Um, I think that's enough for today. I do have another question for you, but I think we can hold it until next week because I quite like it uh, about the Paqueta Hoyland Rodri thing. So I'll hold that for next week. And Paqueta has scored a hat trick against Everton, and we can do it all again uh, because the Hammers are back, baby. Uh, and that's something we can all agree. Wait, on. wait, we have to talk next week, right? It's Man City, Man United next weekend. Do we? Do we have uh, to yes. Talk? Can we just no, we push should. it to another week? Can we? Uh... Those days are over. We're back to Tuesdays. We're uh, back to regular Tuesdays. Whatever's happening, we'll find a way uh, to record something on Tuesdays. Eh. Uh, but you. But if you want, you can go on the shout line, the Sirius oh. XMFC shout line, leave us a 25-minute rambling message, and we'll play it um, on next week's show, and you can have it off. 202-596-5880. That is 202-596-5880, the shout line. I might just call it anyways. Say, like, man, Tom Rennie sucks. Hate that guy. Sucks what? We haven't got time. Um, this has been the Week of the Tackle podcast. Brian Dunsett's over there. I'm Tom Rennie. We're sponsored by an energy drink. Um, what would our energy drink be called? What's it called again? I forget Celsius. What it's That's it. Celsius. Celsius. Tropical vibe or the peach one. Specta. Pay me and I'll remember that. Uh, that's Brian Dunsett. I'm Tom Rennie. Tim Horsey produced the program. It's the Week in the Tackle podcast. We'll see you next week. 